Now, back to the Pete McMurray Show. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. He's got a brand new book out called Beyond Biden, Rebuilding the America We Love. I got to ask him about gas prices. I mean, through the roof. By the way, my son, 16-year-old son, Charlie, driving my car now since he got his driver's license a few weeks ago, never puts gas in the car. I'm like, Charlie, put a few dollars of gas in the car. You know what he said to me that (laughs) upset me so much? Uh-oh. Dad, I've never done it. I don't know how. Well, have you ever taught him how? But that's an indictment. Right. That's mm-hmm. an indictment on you. Yes, Dad. it is. And we're going to go out and fill up the car. <laughs> that's wow. exactly what we're going to do. Look, Pete, this is this has got to be an afternoon for you and Charlie. Gas, <laughs> tire pressure. Oh, yeah. Check the oil. Right. Every dude has got to know how to do those three things. You got to have a tire gauge in your car, Lisa. You got to have do. the tire My gauge. dad showed me all of those things, how to check my oil, yep. keep the tires inflated. I got a little air pump in the trunk in case of emergency. Especially now we're going into the winter. The tires, you know, they, everything kind they of deflate. shrinks a little bit, yeah. you know, like a scared turtle. You know, they're just, <laughs> very <yeah>. scared. <laughs> All right, let's bring on our next guest. Always fun to have on the show with spirited conversation between all of us. He is the former Speaker of the House. He has a brand new book out entitled Beyond Biden, Rebuilding the America We Love. It is Newt Gingrich. Mr. Speaker, thanks for coming on. Always great to have you. Well, listen, it's great to be with you. And and, uh, there are so many fascinating things going on uh, that, that as I wrote Beyond Biden, I began to realize that, you know, the current mess will presently take care of itself, and we're going to have an extraordinary future. And I think uh, it's really important for people to reacquire a sense of optimism that uh, we will survive Biden, we will survive Kamala Harris, and we will move on to uh, a much more dramatic and exciting future. Mr. Speaker, we're going to get to that in a second. I first want to ask you about the infrastructure bill. Give me your thoughts on that. Well, I think that it's probably about 70 or 80 percent good. I don't understand why any Republican voted for it, because in the end, uh, particularly in the House, they had nothing to do with writing it. And it has a lot of stuff in it that, that I don't think uh, none of us would regard as infrastructure. Uh, but it is it, it doesn't have the kind of reforms we need. I, I talked yesterday to a real expert in, in shipping, for example, somebody who has spent their lifetime with a worldwide shipping company. And they said, the problem in Los Angeles and Long Beach is local unions, local government. They refuse to expand their ports. It's a total mess. And, of course, California is very anti-independent trucker. So the, the truckers, literally the independent truckers, don't even go into those areas. So a lot of the things we want for Christmas are stuck. Uh, there are 90 ships, I think, offshore, uh, off Long Beach right now. Uh, and that's all. The, the infrastructure bill doesn't reform any of those things. He gives $50 billion to Amtrak with no reform of the system. Well, Mr. Speaker, let's talk about the Republicans that you said that voted for the bill. 13 Republicans voted to pass the infrastructure bill. Now they're facing backlash from their own party, including President Donald Trump, who said they should be ashamed of themselves for helping the Democrats. Now, when we put politicians in Washington, they are supposed to work together. So if they go beyond the aisle and vote against their party, they're going to see backlash. How do we ever work together, the Democrats and Republicans? Well, you know, President Lyndon Johnson used to say, if you want me in on the landing, I need to be in on the takeoff. Uh, when we wrote the bills, and when we wrote welfare reform, for example, when I was Speaker, we got half the Democrats 
101 Democrats voted with us on welfare reform, but they'd had input on the bill. They knew what they knew. We'd negotiated with the Democratic president, Bill Clinton. Uh, they felt that it was genuinely bipartisan. And what you have, uh, Pelosi's basically running a dictatorship. She doesn't include other people. They bring in bills that are written on Tuesday night and voted on on Wednesday. Nobody knows what's in them. Uh, she once said you have to vote for the bill to find out what's in it. Well, that's the opposite of the way the legislature is supposed to work. So I, I'm, I'm all for genuine bipartisanship, but that means our team has to be in the room and your team has to be in the room, and we have to work together. I'm against a phony bipartisanship where you write everything, you decide everything, and then you turn and say to me, I have to vote yes or I'm not being nice. Uh, I think that that's really bad government, and it's the opposite of what the, the Founding Fathers intended in the legislative process. Hi, Mr. Speaker. I totally agree. And I think a lot of Americans agree that if you receive a bill late on Tuesday and the vote is Wednesday morning, how on earth can you make an educated decision on that? My question is, you said with the infrastructure bill that 70 to 80 percent of it was good, and yet the Republicans who voted for it are still receiving backlash. So if even Republicans think that over 50 percent of the bill is good, what threshold do you think you need to agree with before you can vote for something and not receive backlash? Does it have to be 100 percent, 90 percent? Well, I mean, first of all, I think you have to have input. I mean, I just think as a basic ground rule of, of self-respect, if, if you don't let me in the room and you don't let me know what's in the bill and you don't allow me to amend it, uh, then why would I vote for it? Uh, and, and I think that uh, what it did is it rewarded Pelosi for running a one-party machine uh, because she could not have passed the bill without those Republican votes, because she had people in her own party voting no. Uh, so, so I start from there. I, I think that you, you should represent the country when you're in Congress, uh, not just your party. But I think the country deserves to have better, better, I think, process and a better understanding of what's going on. And let me give you an example. The largest single part of the infrastructure bill is the highway fund. Well, the highway fund is totally bipartisan. Uh, it's about, I think, $700 billion out of the trillion, too. Uh, and from my perspective, you could have pulled out the highway fund and passed it and probably had uh, 90% of the Republicans voting yes and 90% of the Democrats voting yes. But they used the highway fund to cover up stuff that, that did not fit and that wasn't really uh, what, what should have been in the infrastructure bill. And, that, and that's why I think that there is a, a really serious challenge about how things are being done right now in Washington. It's, it's unnecessarily partisan. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like this. And it wasn't like this when I was speaking. Mr. Speaker, you, you know, you, all valid points and representatives in Congress, you say, should represent the country. Moreover, though, I think they should probably represent their district. So when you talk about a massive infrastructure package like the one that has been passed and signed, there are possibly things, as we all know, packed in there specifically for congressional districts. Isn't that why oh, sure. representative? I mean, that's just kind of way this thing works. So even though it's a like you said, a, an overly partisan bill, you get 13 Republicans on board, clearly there's stuff in that bill for their district. Well, I, I think that's right. So you, so you end up, this is, this is like uh, if your teenager goes shopping and they charge uh, $20,000, of which they really needed 8000 The other 12000 was the, the carrying cost. 
um, you know, when, when a member says, you look what I got from my district, you have to ask, so what did you pay for it? And if they got $60 million for a bridge in their district, but by the way, the cost was a trillion-dollar bill, that's a pretty bad exchange rate. Yeah. Uh, I just keep and, thinking and I, I want to be a teenager in your house with a $20,000 credit card. If my 16-year-old <laughs> did that, Mr. Speaker, he'd be grounded. Right, of course. Well, that's, And I think that's what we're saying is there were some guys who probably should have been grounded uh, for having the bill is so big and spends so much money. And by the way, that adds to the inflation rate. I mean, any serious economist will tell you that inflation essentially is too much money chasing too few goods uh, and services. And you add another trillion on top of the current inflation rate, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to increase the likelihood that we're in for four or five years of, of uh, constant inflation. And that hits everybody. I mean, in, as, as all of you know, who fill up your car or your truck. I was just um, going to ask you every, about that. Well, everybody gets hit. Well, we're talking with uh, Newt Gingrich. The name of his book is Beyond Biden, Rebuilding the, the America We Love. Mr. Speaker, gas prices are through the roof. I didn't want to wait in the long line at Costco, so I slummed it and went to mobile and paid three ninety four <laughs> a gallon, Ooh. which is crazy. Who's to blame for these gas prices and what do we do? Well, look, I wrote a book years ago called Gasoline at 250 a Gallon. I got attacked by Obama because he said it was totally unrealistic. And, of course, gasoline dropped in price. The, the minute you had a president who favored American production. But what you have right now, the, I mean, one of the first things Biden did was kill uh, the XL pipeline. They're talking now about killing the pipeline into Michigan, uh, which carries 60 percent of the gasoline in, used in Michigan. Because the environmentalists don't like the fact that it crosses underneath the seaway between, uh, I think, um, Lake Michigan and Lake Huron. The fact is they've, uh, they've, they've closed off uh, prospecting for oil in, in, any, in a whole range of federal lands. They've indicated clearly that they're anti-oil and gas, convinced people not to invest. And guess what? The price is skyrocketing. You now have, I mean, it's pathetic. You now have Biden begging the Russians and the uh, Saudis, uh, and even the Iranians, to pump more gas and oil to replace the American gas and oil. We were energy independent. We were actually exporting uh, a year ago. Uh, and because of this administration's policies, we're now short of gas and oil. Prices are going up. People are being hurt. I mean, we're all angry. Time, we're, yeah. Well, the last time my wife, Calissa, filled up her car was 72 bucks. Yeah, it's rough stuff. Yeah, Mr. Speaker, quickly, is is that balancing act that's performed by OPEC to keep the prices high? Is it eighty dollars a barrel? Because I've been reading some things that that's kind of the that's kind of that sweet spot that they like to keep it in in order to keep yeah, the prices high here. Well, but what, what what they want to do is keep the price as high as they can without encouraging new production outside of OPEC. So they're constantly looking for what, how much can I charge you without you getting so right, right. so mad or without the possible profit being so big? And it's probably somewhere around $80, although, frankly, what inflation does is it cheapens the dollar. So every year, you know, the, the number goes up because the value of the dollar is going down. Mr. Speaker, uh, what number book is this for you? I feel like we have you on every six months. You are writing books like crazy. Oh, I don't know. It's, 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 well, it's somewhere in the 40s. It's crazy. He's churned out over 40 books. Uh, New it's Gingrich. very impressive, for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the book is oh, called I like writing. Beyond Biden, Rebuilding the America We Love. Mr. Speaker, always great to have you on. Thanks. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you, sir. More of the Pete McMurray Show next.